Is it on? Okay, there we go. <clears throat> Just some introductory, yeah, way to go, Pete. Hello. Fab 14 strikes again. Um, <clears throat> some introductory remarks. I am going to be clearing my throat for the first two or three minutes because I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. My <clears throat> I'm just not quite there. I might need some water. Um, so we've been on a bit of a journey. We were in Genesis yesterday, and today we went to the Gospel of Luke and looked at... Um, Dave Hintermeister's favorite book in the Bible, which is The Good Samaritan. Um, who else has that as their favorite? I think that's just an awesome, just Dave. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's good news. Um, <clears throat> tonight, we are going to go back to the Old Testament, and we are going to be looking at Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is is my favorite psalm in all of scripture. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. Um, really, everything that I learned about being a pastor, I learned from Rich Fino. Um, now, that's actually not true. Um, everything that I learned, most everything I learned about pastoral care, about being a pastor, I most, le I most certainly learned from Rich Fino. Uh, he's a great, great friend of mine and ours. He was a pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church for 80 years. Um, <clears throat> he recently um, left Christ Presbyterian and is now um, the executive director at the Little Hospice in Edina. Uh, and he really is an amazing, amazing man and person. And um, I, he got to be he got to be I got to have him as my boss for two years when um, I was at a I was at a pretty low point in my life. I was at a pretty sad point in my life. And um, Rich came in and in his rich way, just shepherded me, shepherded me and loved me. Um, and really, it really helped me fall back in love with being a pastor and, and taught me how to be one. The reason I'm talking about Rich right now is the psalm that I'm going to share with you, I very much... What I'm going to do with this psalm, I learned from Rich. Um, if you have been at the hospital and have been visited by Rich, chances are he has read you this psalm. Um, <clears throat> and the reason that he uses this psalm, the reason we're talking about it tonight, is because it is such a personal psalm. Um, it uses the word I or me 23 times. And as you go through it, you can, you can simply insert your own name whenever it says that. So I'm going to give you an example of that from the first five verses. Oh Lord, you have searched Kyle and you know him. You know when Lisa sits down and when she rises up. You discern Tim's thoughts from far away. You search out Andrew's path and his lying down. And you are acquainted with all of Sarah's ways. Even before a word is on Greg's tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem Peter in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon Molly. 
That's an example of how this psalm just so easily you put your name in and it's like God is speaking to you. That's the truth of this psalm. God is speaking to you, each one of you. So Rich did this thing with me when we were first doing pastoral care where we did the thing where I would shadow him. I would watch what he would do and then we would go together and I would do it. And then eventually he wouldn't be there and I would go. And I watched him when someone was about to have a really serious surgery. I would watch him do this prayer over someone, lay their hand, lay his hands on them. And I could just see people relax as they heard these truths from God. And so I knew that it was a powerful piece of scripture. And so I watched him do this many times. And now we were to the point where I was going by myself to, to, um, bring care to someone at Fairview Southdale Hospital. And I was meeting a guy named Bertrand. That was not his real name, but I'm not going to tell you his real name. Bertrand was in his late 40s, and he had just found out that he had cancer basically from head to toe. And he had days or weeks to live. He just did not have that much time to live. And it was one of those situations where Bertrand did not go to Christ Presbyterian Church. Bertrand's wife did not go, but one of Bertrand's family members went and said, I really think that they need a visit because they don't know what to do. He's dying. He's got kids and he basically has no faith. So I went And if I'm really honest with you, I went with fear and trembling. Um, I now go into a pastoral care hospital room, and it's now become one of the most comfortable places in the world for me to be. But when I started doing it, I had a little bit of this because it was so heavy and so serious. And so you are meeting people right where they are at in life and death. And I didn't. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I remember the first time that um, I needed to go visit someone who was dying in the hospital. I called, I, Rich got a call at upper room that a woman was dying. And I had been walking with this woman uh, for the last six months to a year. And Rich called me. And all I can describe is he sounded like a proud papa. He said, Kyle, they don't want me. They want you. And he was so proud because I had been walking with this family. And you could tell he was just thrilled that they didn't want him. They wanted me. And I I remember saying to him, like, Rich, she's dying. What, What do I do? And he said, Kyle... I can't tell you anymore. I can't tell you what to do anymore because you've been working on this. And he's like, this is your first death. You just need to go and you need to experience it. And I can't tell you how it's going to go. There's no prescribed way to do it. And I said, thanks boss. (laughs) And I got off the phone and I went and 
I sat with this family and I prayed and I sang. Um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. It hits people right where you are, life and death. So now I'm at Fairview Southdale and I'm visiting with Bertrand who has no faith. And I get out my Bible and I open it to Psalm 139 and I put my hand on his shoulder and he kind of looks at me like, what are you doing? <clears throat> he doesn't say that, but he looks at me like that. I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. And I say, oh Lord, you have searched Bertrand and you know him. He just kind of sits up in bed and he goes, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I'm like saying, no, it, it doesn't, but this psalm is for you. And he said, there's no way that that could be for me. There's no way. I'm like, no, it really, really is for you. And he said, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the type of person I've been. God doesn't know me at all. And I don't know God. And I said, Bertrand, you really might feel like you don't know who God is, but I'm telling you right now, God knows exactly who you are. And God and the Holy Spirit is actually in this hospital room with us right now. And he looked at me and he just said, you're kidding. I said, I'm not. I believe that with everything I am. And his wife was there and she was bawling. And, and he looked at me and he said, really? I said, really? And he said, okay. And I said, can I keep praying? He says, yeah. And I kept reading the whole psalm to him. And I kept putting his name in. And every once in a while, he would laugh. He'd be like, I can't believe you're saying this. I cannot believe you're saying this. And I said, I know that it's hard to believe, but it really, really is true. And we stuck with it. And Bertrand died the next week. He did not have long to live. And the family didn't know what to do. They really weren't churched. Um, but they asked me to do his funeral. Within one week and in that one visit, I got to sit with him, be with him, and then do this funeral. So this psalm is so very, very personal and it's so very, very beautiful. And I'm going to keep reading it to us. And then when we get to the end, there's something that happens in the psalm. And there's something that happens in the psalm so that when we read it in the lectionary, in the Catholic church, in the Lutheran church, we are all kind of on the same lectionary. When we get to it, the lectionary lops it off because it goes rather dark. I would argue the lectionary makes a mistake as they lop it off. And I'm going to tell you why after we're done reading it. But look out for the last three chapters because it's like, whoa, that got pretty intense. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. 
You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, my ba- if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mama's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God. And the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's the end of the psalm. You know, I did that little eye thing when we got to, or that you would kill the wicked, oh God. It is like this beautiful, gorgeous poem song, like talking about going to the farthest parts of the sea and it's beautiful and wonderful. And all of a sudden it takes this turn and says that you would just kill the wicked, oh God. I've decided that that totally makes sense with the Psalm because What the psalm writer is saying is, God, you know every single part of me. You know every thought I have, both wonderful and awful. Anyone ever had an awful thought? Please raise your hand so that I don't feel alone. You know the words that I'm going to say before I'm even going to say them. You know the hairs on my head, which is funny. You know every single thing about me. And because you know every single thing about me, I can come and show you the good, the bad, and the ugly. I got some bad stuff in here. There is no better person being God to give it to than God. I talk to people all the time who say this, I'm just so angry with God. Have you ever felt that? I'm just so angry with God. I've now come to, to tell the person when they tell me I'm so angry with God, you know what I say to them? Good. 
I say to them, good for many reasons. You're being honest. It shows you are in relationship with God. And guess what? God can more than handle our anger. God can more than handle our worry. God can handle it all. God is the creator of the universe. There is no stopping God. God can handle it. I also tell people, if you're angry with God, you are not alone. There are 150 Psalms in the Bible. About half of them, 75 of them are filled with hands up, praise you, Lord. And about half of them are filled with this. Where are you, God? Shaking your fist. When we have those feelings, when we have that anger, we are in good company. The psalm writers wrote that way. This psalm simply seems to bring them together. It's got everything. So I don't think that we should lop off that part. I believe the best, best relationships are ones of authenticity. We're just talking about it at our table tonight. We are searching. We are looking for authenticity, the real. So God can handle an authentic, I'm really mad right now, God. It was our good friend, Barb Harmon, who told me in 2007, when I was pretty mad about life, she said to me, you do realize you're praying, right, Kyle? Like, what? She's like, well, you're so angry right now at God. You know that that's a prayer. I was like, what? She's like, you're praying. Oh, Sometimes our prayers are so flowery and beautiful. Sometimes they're shaking a fist and they might not feel like a prayer. And sometimes, like the New Testament writer tells us, our prayers are sighs that are too deep for our groanings. We don't even have the words. Guess who knows the words when we don't have the words? The Holy Spirit gives God the words. It is this incredible exchange. The Holy Spirit comes in and advocates for us on our behalf, gives it to God, brings it to God, flies it to God. Whatever it is, God is there. God is so very present to us personally, is present to you, Susan, is present to me. I just picked Susan because I just love her so much. <laughs> I could have picked any one of you. God knows everything about you. And if you're like me, that should equal parts terrify you and comfort you. God knows everything about you. So give him all of it because he knows you. Amen.
Thank you, Kyle. Man. Well, it, you know, it's for sometimes we, we get to this point of the weekend and it feels like this is the wrap up, doesn't it? Like, okay, we're all done. We're, we are not done. We are not done. This is, uh, this is just halftime because sometimes some of the best stuff that happens on a weekend like this happens in the end. Sometimes I've talked to people who said the best part of our weekend was the drive home. When we started talking about what we heard, what we learned. I have one friend who remembers to this day a speaker talking about how in her life the priority was God, our each other, our family, and then everything else, and that included the kids. And they started talking about that, and they changed how their family was after that weekend. And so I want to encourage you, first of all, is to not consider this the end, that tomorrow uh, Kyle has another message. Uh, the kids are going to be doing some more things. So don't in your mind and, or even physically start packing up tonight. There's plenty of time to pack up. And in fact, it takes probably less than four minutes to grab everything that you brought and throw it in the car. You don't even need to pack it. It's going to you know, go in the laundry anyway, right? Just, just don't worry about that. And until you get to about Elk River, if you live in the Twin Cities, then you can start thinking about what's next. Just stay focused here. And I think that's um, always good for me to, to not have that psychology of leaving so early. Okay, so all right, done with that. Um, I do want to thank you for uh, being here this weekend, for taking the time, taking the effort to be here. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's easy because you go, oh, this is what we always do. But for some of you, this is the first time and somebody tried to tell you about it and you're like, I don't know, I'm not sure. Um, and so it took a lot of courage just to be here. But I'm so glad that you did because you bring something to all of us. You bring to, to every person in this room God's light. I mentioned at the beginning of the weekend that Kyle was going to share from the scriptures. And I, I've just come to find those scriptures are, are so important. I, I was thinking that, boy, if we didn't have that book, those scriptures... We'd have no clue about God and what a gift that is to us. But the second part of that that I've, I've realized for myself is that I need you. We need each other. If I didn't have you guys around, there's no way I would be believing in this stuff. I'd be going, that's too hard. I, I just can't, I can't do it. It's not, doesn't make sense. But to be in a community of other believers, and I'm not just talking about here at Family Fest. But our, our friends at home, our families, the people that we're around, our churches. And I know that the, probably the hardest thing that this pandemic has done is it's emptied our churches. And people have just thought, well, you know, we're just not going anymore. Um, and that's my prayer is that we would keep going, not for the church's sake, but for our sake. This is where our communities are. This is where people around us can, can celebrate with us, and, and we can be encouraged by one another. And so um, I want to encourage you to think about what am I doing to be encouraging the community around us. Uh, years ago, somebody said at one of these camps, it's like, you know, I, it's such a mountaintop experience. I, I just hate going home and climbing up the mountain. And, and I remember we were talking, and I said, what if... What if this is what we're supposed to be bringing back home? That that's really what real life is. 
that that the, the life that we're normally living at home isn't real life, but this is. So that's my encouragement to you. Thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for being part of this community, but then taking what you get from this and bringing it home to others. We, we've said for years and years, and I think Susan mentioned it even in our prayers today, that this has always been a ministry, not of our board or of me or anything like that. This is a ministry, families to families, that, that we, we learn how to do that together. We, we learn to minister to one another. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That's, that's the magic of it. Um, and it has more power just than that. It, this is affecting our kids. Um, I, I did youth ministry for 20 years, um, took kids on retreats, and, and I took kids on mission trips and all different things. I, I've never seen things that have affected kids more than doing faith with their family and seeing other people around them going, yeah, I want this. There's something about that when they see you engaging in your faith as well. And so that's why uh, we love when people sign up for camp because we know it's more than just filling Grandview Lodge, that it's having an impact on kids and on families and um that's kind of where we got started. Most of us doing starting in that, that 14 group were all involved in youth ministry. We were meeting with kids weekly and, and taking them on retreats, and we thought, how do we, how do we get that to our, our own kids? And so that's why it's so cool that you come and you bring your kids. And, and gosh, for those of you who have been coming for years, and now your kids are Casey's. Isn't that a cool deal? Woo! To watch them and watch them taking a little one by the hand and, and singing songs and sharing the gospel, the good news with them. And they might not even get it yet. They may be sharing stuff that they're kind of parroting, but uh, it, it's sinking in, and that's what's so wonderful. So uh, I just want to say with all that, I know I went on too long, but um, we're just grateful. We're just grateful for you, for, for having the courage to come, to come back year after year, to making this part of, of your life. And this is just part. It's not the whole thing. Uh, if we said, well, we just do this once a year and that's our faith thing, it wouldn't, that wouldn't be good enough. We, we want more than that. God's, God's uh, plan for us is so much richer. Um, but we, we take this, and this is an encouragement to every single one of us to say, God, what do you got planned for me? What's, what's the exciting thing you have in my life? And, and that's just what's uh, so great about getting together with you. So with that, I'm going to close this in prayer. Uh, we have a little bit of time. The kids program, they're going to expect us, uh, oh, at about 10 after 8 or something like that. So uh, you can just relax a little bit, continue your conversation, and then by about 10 after, uh, start packing it up. And especially if you have the little kids, go on and get them. And then I want to tell you what um, is going to happen. Well, let me pray, and then I'll tell you what is going to happen after that. How's that? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have had an opportunity this weekend to um, just get away in this beautiful place, this beautiful area, uh, and just slow down to reflect on your great love for us. We, we thank you for the relationships that uh, were built over this weekend, the new friendships that were built. Uh, we thank you for the uh, long-term relationships that were renewed and uh, enhanced over this weekend. We thank you for our families, uh, the chance that we have to be together and 
uh, celebrate your great love for us. Um, mostly, we're just thankful for you, Lord, that you love each and every one of us so much in, in a way that we can not even comprehend, um, that you have created us in your image, that um, you love us deeply and unconditionally. We're so grateful for that. And so um, with that, we thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to work in our lives, continue to uh, be evident to us in all that we see and uh, help us to continue to grow closer to you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right.